Hey there, Cramholics. It's your host, Kinsey, back yet again with another Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created to keep missing persons' name and information in the media. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time. While some are found are live or deceased, the majority are still missing today, and it is our goal here at Cramholics to keep their names and information in the media to aid in the return home as best as we can. On this episode of Missing Mondays, I will be covering the disappearance of 27-year-old Paige Coffey. The very last confirmed sighting of Paige was May 7, 2019, when she was leaving a Home Depot with her current boyfriend, PJ. This is another one of those cases where it seems that they have vanished without a trace, but we know that's never the case. Somebody somewhere always knows something. Paige's disappearance has gotten, unfortunately, very little media attention, which makes it all more important to keep her name and her information out in the public eye to help keep her story alive. Paige is missing from Bratnell, Ohio, and she was reported missing on May 10, 2019 by her family. She is an African-American female who stands at 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighs approximately 230 pounds, and has black hair and brown eyes. Paige was born on December 8, 1991 in Cleveland, Ohio. She was the first-born grandchild in her family, but later on would have multiple cousins that she was very close with. Her family described her as a family-oriented person. She was very down-to-earth. She was friendly. She was creative. And she had this very big artistic personality about her. Her mother stated in a press conference that she went to Charles Bush High School there in Cleveland and was a very phenomenal student. While most kids Paige's age really weren't too concerned with their grades and their future, Paige wanted to make sure that her grades always stayed up and she did what she needed to do to have a bright future and make it to college. Paige did just that. After graduating in 2010, she attended Youngstown State University, where she majored in merchandising and fashion. Fashion was always a huge part of Paige's life. As I combed through different photos of her on social media, one thing I noticed about her that really stuck out and what most people often talked about when thinking of Paige was her hair and all of these beautiful hairstyles she did. Sometimes she'd have it in braids. Sometimes she would just have her natural afro. Or she would wear the most beautiful hair wraps that you could think of. This really came into play with Paige's love for fashion and merchandising. In 2012, while attending Youngstown State University, Paige reconnects with a boy that she had met in high school named Tashad. The two of them were friends in high school, but nothing more than that. In 2012, when they reconnected, these two fell in love. Paige's mother stated that shortly after these two had reconnected, they would get married. Her mom was really not too happy about this. She wanted Paige to focus on herself, continue her education, and not get married so young. But she said that his family often pressured her and Tashad to get married. Tashad at the time was in the service for the United States Army. And sometimes in these type of relationships, there can be a lot of pressure to get married, given that 
the person in the service would likely be moving away. And that's exactly what happened. Not long after the couple got married, they were transferred to Hawaii, where they would stay for about five years. That was until Tashad, for some unknown reason, was dishonorably discharged from the army. But before he gets dishonorably discharged, him and Paige had already agreed to separate and file for divorce. After Paige and Tashad divorce, she moves back to Cleveland, Ohio, where her family is still located because she feels as though it's best to be here where she has a large amount of support and she can begin to restart her life. After moving back to Cleveland, Ohio, everything in Paige's life seems to be going rather well for quite some time. That is until 2019 when a friend introduces her to a man named Patrick Samar Mason Jr. Patrick was not originally from Cleveland, Ohio. This mutual friend of theirs suggested that Patrick move from Atlanta to come up to Cleveland where they had multiple halfway houses and rehab places where he could get the help he needed. According to Paige's mother, Trinetta, when Paige and Patrick were first introduced to each other, they were just friends. But as time went on, they became a little closer, and four months into the friendship, Paige and Patrick decide that they want to be in a relationship. Patrick also goes by PJ, so from here on out, I'm just going to call him PJ. Because PJ was not originally from the Cleveland, Ohio area, not a lot of people knew much about him. But one thing that was very well known was that he had a very lengthy criminal history. In 2011, he had been arrested for theft and burglary where he did plead guilty. He did spend time in jail and once he was released, he was placed on probation. In 2013, he failed a drug test and was charged with a probation violation and was sent back to jail again for some time. After being released from jail, in 2017, just two years Prior to meeting Paige, he was arrested for a very, very gruesome domestic violence charge against his current girlfriend. Her family was very wary about her being with PJ because of his past history, but Paige is the kind of girl who will find the good in anyone, no matter what they've done in their past. And as somebody who also does everything I can to find the good in people, I can understand how she decided she should be in a relationship with PJ. With her family being concerned about their relationship, they tried to communicate with her as often as they could and see her as much as they could. But the closer she got to PJ, the less her family would see and hear from her. And Paige was very family-oriented, as I stated before. So this was very out of her character to go days without speaking to her family. Once her family would get in communication with her, you know, they would ask, you know, why haven't you been answering your phone calls? Why are you not returning your text messages? And Paige would always tell them, oh, I lost my cell phone or my cell phone was broken. Which, if you have been in any type of abusive or manipulative relationship, you know that the first thing that they try to go for with their victim is their cell phone. Because their cell phone is their means to communication with the outside world. And when they are trying to manipulate and get as much control over them as they can, they will cut off any outside communication that they can. And typically, it always starts with the family. 
As May 2019 approaches, PJ and Paige's relationship becomes extremely bizarre. One day, an officer arrives at her mother Trinetta's home in Cleveland. When she answers the door, the police officer informs her that Paige's purse with all of her personal belongings was found in a ditch. The police officer asks if Paige is there and if he can speak with her. But Trinetta informs him that Paige no longer lives in her home, that she lives with her grandparents in Bretonall, Ohio, not too far from there. The police were led to Trinetta's home because Paige's driver's license still had Trinetta's home address on there. While the officer and her mom are speaking, she does inform the police officer that she actually is kind of worried about Paige because she has not seen or heard from her in three days, which is unusual, and her behavior has been kind of off. The police officer says that if Trinetta is to hear from Paige, that he would like to speak to her about her whereabouts and if she's safe. The officer also tells Trinetta, if you do not hear from Paige, please come to the police department and file a missing persons report. The very same day that the officer comes to Trinetta's home, she receives a text message from PJ. And she's very confused on why she is receiving a text message from PJ because it is very clear that she does not care for him or Paige's relationship. The text message that she received, according to True Crime Garage, was a text message stating that Paige shot PJ in the head. And the next text message that comes through that PJ sends is a photo of him where his head is all bloody. And her mom is freaking out at this point. Like, one, she wants to know, why in the world are you texting me? And two... Why did my daughter shoot you and how do you even prove for sure that my daughter shot you? The next text message that comes through from PJ is another picture and it is a handwritten note from Paige that says, I shot PJ in the head. At this point, her mom is extremely frantic and she's scared and she's trying to figure out what in the hell is going on. Trinetta alerts the police about the messages she had just received from PJ for them to go check on him and Paige. When the police arrive at their location, they do notice that PJ, in fact, had bullet holes all throughout his car. His head was bleeding and he even had bullet fragments in his head. But there is no proof that Paige is the one who shot him. And he doesn't come out right away and say Paige is responsible. But the police take Paige to the hospital for a mental evaluation because she's completely hysterical. And they are aware that her mother had said she was worried about her mental state. But I mean, of course, she's going to be hysterical. Her boyfriend is shot in the head and he's telling her mother that he's the one responsible. After this incident occurs and Paige's mental evaluation is completed, her family feels that this is likely the end of PJ and Paige's relationship because how do you come back from a situation of this severity? You told people that Paige shot you in the head. That's way further than abuse, whether it is true or not. There's just no coming back from this. But if you've been in a situation like this, then you know it is not that simple. It is not black and white. Just days prior to the very last confirmed sighting of Paige on May 7th, 2019, 
Paige calls her mom and asks her for a ride to this one certain part of town near Cleveland. And Paige's mom is really hesitant because she knows that this is the area where PJ lives and she does not want Paige seeing PJ. But she loves her daughter. She tries to support her. And really, ultimately, she kind of just threw up her hands and knows that Paige is going to do what she's going to do. So all she can do is be there for her in the end. Her mom gives her a ride over to the certain part of town. They hug goodbye. They tell each other they love each other. And this is the very last time that she ever sees her daughter alive. Ten full days would pass and nobody in her family nor her mother would hear or see from Paige. We know that the more she's with PJ, the less her family hears from her. But a full ten days has them very worried especially because of the incident that just happened when her family gets word that not only have they not seen or heard from Paige but she also isn't showing up for work they are extremely concerned and they turn straight to the police for help to file a missing persons report because they know how important Paige's job is to her at the boutique and she would just not show up for work When her family files a missing persons report with the police, they, like any other family filing a report, just assumes that the police are going to put it out there that she is missing and it is likely from foul play and they expect that she is in danger because of another person. But when they put out this missing persons alert, they basically tell the public that she's missing and it probably has to do with her mental health. Her family was very off-put by this because they felt that because of it, they got very minimal tips. And if maybe people knew that their daughter was in true danger, that people really would have been on the lookout for Paige. Because of the lack of tips, the only thing that the police had to go off of was security footage that showed both Paige and PJ shopping at the Steelyard Commons by the Home Depot. The two of them did stop inside the Home Depot and according to transaction receipts, all they had gotten was some candy bars and some brake fluid. So nothing really seemed suspicious or odd. Once the two of them left the Home Depot, there is no other trace of Paige. And this is where the investigation into her disappearance goes cold. Since her disappearance, her boyfriend PJ has been listed as a person of interest, but there is little to no clues pointing them in any direction of where Paige may be. It is so important that we keep Paige's name and information in the media because, as always, someone somewhere knows something and her family deserves answers. Her family deserves to know what happened to their daughter. They know that she did not just walk away. They say that she was struggling with her mental health, but they know Paige better and she would not have left the area and never contacted her family. Paige Coffee is missing from Brattonville, Ohio. She has been missing since approximately May 10th, 2019. She's an African-American female who stands at 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighed approximately 230 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She has black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen at the Home Depot at the Steel Yard Commons on May 7th, 2019. 
If you have any information about the disappearance of Paige Coffee, you are encouraged to call the Brattonal Village Police Department at 216-622-6842. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Paige posted. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.